please hear this reading from Acts. Now, in Joppa, there was a disciple, a woman named Tabitha, Dorcas in Greek, who never tired of doing things or giving to charity. About this time, she grew ill and died. They washed her body and laid her out in an upstairs room. Since Lydia was near Joppa, the disciples sent two couriers to Peter with the urgent request, please come over to us without delay. Peter set out with them as they asked. Upon his arrival, they took him upstairs to the room. All the townswomen who had been widowed stood beside him weeping and showed him the various garments Dorcas had made when she was still with them. Peter first made everyone go outside, then knelt down and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, stand up. She opened her eyes, then looked at Peter and sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her to her feet. The next thing he did was to call in those who were believers, including the widows, to show them that she was alive. This became known all over Joppa, and because of it, many came to believe in Jesus Christ. Peter remained a while in Joppa, staying with Simon, a leather tanner. This is one of our sacred stories. Thanks be to God. In the grandeur of the sacred space, Evan suddenly felt very small. She unconsciously fidgeted with her hands in her lap, longing for the comfort she once felt in this room. She chanced a look around, hoping her eyes wouldn't betray the doubt in her mind, doubt bordering on despair. The room was full, but still she felt alone, alone with her secret. She wanted to stand up and to shout it, daring to dream that someone else might be cradling the same secret in their soul, but she kept her seat, and she knew the time would be here soon enough. The organ struck a familiar chord, and everyone rose to sing the old hymn, a melody embedded inextricably in their communal psyche. And after the hymn was the prayer, and after the prayer was the keeper. And it was the keeper that was sending waves of angst to cascade over Evan's once comfortably serene heart. In her youth, Evan had marveled at the keeper of the holy words. The keepers were holy people whose sacred work it was to hold within themselves all of the stories, songs, and wisdom of the Christian tradition. The sermons of the prophets, the teachings of St. Paul, and all of the stories from the garden to the empty tomb were all held safely in the memories of the mysterious keepers. This keeper, fluent in the language of Evan's people, had been doing this work for as long as Evan could remember. And her apparel varied from setting to setting, sometimes wearing what looked like an old wrinkled leather jacket with a name embroidered in gold on the front. Other times, when she spoke to children, she wore brighter, more vibrant colors. She was a veritable library of sacred words, unrivaled in her ability to summon up the distinct voices and dialects of their history. Most of the time, however, she was silent, only speaking when asked to recount some of those holy words. The keeper had been called many names over the years, some more helpful than others. 
Some called her words inerrant, some called them inspired, and some called them nonsense. Some used names that echoed with a deeper truth, names like the lamp, or the mirror, or the anchor, or on occasion, the sword. Evan, however, who once referred to her with such affection, wasn't sure what to call her anymore. Her thoughts came back into sharp focus as the keeper rose from her seat and moved to the edge of the chancel. It was her time to speak. A story from the Acts of the Apostles, she began, opening her arms. In the city of Joppa, she recounted, there was a disciple named Tabitha, or Gazelle in English. She was well known for doing good and helping those who needed help. During the time Peter was in the area, she became sick and died. Her friends prepared her body for burial and put her in a cool upper room. Some of the disciples heard that Peter was visiting nearby Lydda and sent two messengers urgently requesting him to come to Joppa. Peter got up and went with them without delay, and once he arrived, they took him up to the room where Tabitha's body was laid out. Her old friends, most of them widows, were in the room mourning. They lovingly showed Peter pieces of clothing that Tabitha had made for them. And as the last woman folded up the tunic she was showing him, Peter resolutely asked everyone to leave the room. When he was finally alone with the body, he knelt and prayed and prayed and prayed. And then he turned to the body and spoke. Tabitha, he called, get She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat upright. He took her hand and helped her to stand. And then he called the disciples and the widowed women and gave Tabitha back to them alive. When this became known all over Joppa, many put their trust in Christ. And Peter stayed for a long time in Joppa as a guest of Simon the Tanner. The keeper ended and stepped back. This is one of our sacred stories, she concluded with a small bow, as was her custom. And the community responded, thanks be to God, which was theirs. She moved back into her place. There was a movement in the back of the room, but no one bothered to turn and see. It was the sound of a group of people gathering their things to leave. They always did this. Having checked, listen to the keeper off of their spiritual to-do list, they would check out eager to get back to real life. What they never understood was that they were leaving before what Evan considered to be the most magical part, the invitation. No sooner were they out of the room than the keeper spoke once more. The words are not meant to be consumed, she invited. They require a response. Here, her work was complete and the work of the people began. And this was the moment Evan had been anticipating with so much uncertainty. She took a deep breath and she made to stand up, but she was interrupted. On the right side of the room and on the very front row, a man in a suit and tie stood up and addressed the room in a loud voice. His smile was broad and confident. 
Brothers and sisters, he sang out, I just want to say again, thanks be to God. What a mighty God we serve, amen? A God with the power to bring the dead back to life, to heal the sick, and to open the eyes of the blind. Praise be to God. He sat back down like it was an exclamation point at the end of his praise. And Evan waited, not wanting to be cut off again, not sure if she had the courage to do this more than a couple of times. And when she felt more sure the coast was clear, she hesitantly stood up. From her place in the center of the room, about halfway back, she started. Uh, yeah, hey, I don't really know uh, what to say, except I'm, I'm just really not, not sure about this, about this resurrection thing. Um, I'm trying to believe that Peter really raised this woman from the dead, uh, but... And she trailed off, struggling. The man at the front of the room sprang back up. Now I hear what you're saying, ma'am, he said, shaking his head in grave sympathy. But faith is just hard sometimes. He pointed towards the keeper, who was looking out with an unreadable expression. She said it, and that means it's true. We can't start doubting what she says just because it's hard, and we cannot rely on our own understanding. It's like Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Amen? And if Evan had been a little younger, and this scene unfolded just this time last year, she probably would have sat back down and scolded herself, praying that God would help her disbelief. But that was then. She couldn't do that anymore. No, she said, trying to rein in the frustration, threatening to spill through her eyes. No, I, I, uh, I don't think that that's, and the man went on, through his unshakable faith in Christ's power, Peter was able to, will you shut up and listen to me? Evan blurted in desperation. The man was obviously surprised that he wasn't talking. Look, she went ahead. Three months ago, my best friend, one of the strongest Christian men I know, actually, he was hit by a car while he was riding his bike. Uh, and he was wearing a helmet, um, but it was bad, okay? But even in spite of what the doctor told us, we had faith. We waited by the hospital bed for a week. We, we waited for him to wake up. We prayed and we sang hymns and we recited the keeper's word and, and we asked God for a miracle. But but you know what? She tried to push down that familiar lump in her throat. You know what? He's gone. There was no miracle, and there was no God, and Peter did not show up to bring him back. Now, he did everything right. He loved God, and he loved people, and still he is dead, and you're going to stand there and tell me that it's because I didn't have enough faith? That if we had just believed, what, harder? that he would still be alive? Or, or that God just steps in every now and then while the rest of the world suffers and dies? So forgive me, she finished through shallow breath, if I have a little trouble believing in your resurrection stories. She sat down. And so did the man in the front row. Her secret was no longer hers. She had no idea how to take the keeper's words anymore, and for that matter, wasn't so sure about the whole idea of God anymore. And there was a long, tense silence. Excuse me, 
if I may, came a voice on the left side of the room. The crowd turned in his direction as he stood up slowly. Um, Ma'am, I'm sorry about your friend, he said, but I I just want to say that I've also lost people. Uh, And it also made me wonder if maybe I'd been taking these stories all wrong. Um, But but what if, and he searched for the right words, what if it's like, um, what if it's like a symbol, he posited. What if, what if when the keeper says that someone rose up from the dead, it's, it's like this great symbolic way of saying that he still lives in the disciples' hearts, you know? Uh, like he still lives in their minds. The people weren't sure how to respond. You know, he tried to explain further, uh, like Mufasa in The Lion King, right? And the man in the front row looked incensed at these words. And he was not the only one. No, man, listen, that doesn't work for me, said another man who had been sitting next to Evan. He stood as he spoke. If resurrection is about getting raised in memories and hearts, that's not very good news for me or my people. What does spiritual resurrection mean for all the brothers who died on slave ships? Or for all the sisters lying in unmarked plantation graves? Where's their justice? Where's their liberation? We don't even know their names anymore, so how are they going to live on in your heart? No offense, man, but it seems like you're kind of putting the sentimental band-aid on something that's pretty deep. Bodies matter to me, and they seem to matter to God. So a resurrection without a body is not much of a resurrection to me. I, I don't know. He shrugged, and he sat back down. And every word felt like a single drop of water in the desert that Evan's faith had become. She wasn't alone. Sure, she was sitting there in a conversation between empty literalism and disembodied abstraction, and she hated both of them, but they were talking about it. They were asking questions, and that thought gave her an idea. So she stood back up. Hey, I don't don't know if we're allowed to do this, she started, but why don't we ask the keeper? I mean, what if we, good idea, said the man in the front row, clearly uncomfortable with the whole unorthodox conversation. He stood up to settle the matter. Listen, did this story really happen or not, he demanded of the keeper. And the keeper's expression, typically indiscernible, was unmistakable. Disappointment. Everyone saw it. And slowly, as if she were deciding whether or not this breach of tradition was worth it, she stood and she addressed them. You, she began somberly, are asking me a question to which I care nothing at all about the answer. You would have me give you an answer so that you might feel more confident that the world is exactly as you assume it is, yes? And you, she turned to the man on the left who had spoken to her earlier, you would have my words sentimentalized into a non-threatening Hallmark card, yes? What you all want to do with these words, it is not what these words are for. It is not what these words are meant to do. But Keeper, Evan pushed, emboldened by this conversation, what are your words for? What are they meant to do? 
that, the keeper responded appreciatively, is the right question. Her energy shifted, pulling words from a different place in the library of her mind. My words are useful for teaching, rebuke, correction, instruction, and training for a life that is right, so that God's people may be up to the task ahead and have all they need to accomplish every good work. She quoted, and her tone softened. In short, these words are only as good as they help you become like Christ. Like Christ, Evan asked. Like Christ, said the keeper. Love, fully embodied. These words show you the character and nature of the Spirit of God so that you might allow it to possess you more completely in every moment, to be conformed to the image of the Son, the firstborn of the family of God. And if that's not what these words are doing, they are rubbish. If that's not how they are being heard, then they are clinging gongs, and all who speak them, whitewashed tombs. So let's try this again, she said, moving back to her place. Peter, Tabitha, resurrection, they require a response. Evan felt the energy. This is what she was looking for what she hadn't dared to hope for, but still, she felt disoriented. She didn't know what a response looked like now, but she didn't have to, because a voice from near the back, a voice that they rarely heard, spoke up, and it was the voice of an older woman. Peter's not afraid, she observed with a degree of wonder. Death and pain, these things scare me, and I think they scare all of us, so we try to avoid them. We deny them and we run from them, but not Peter, though. The spirit leading Peter, Jesus' spirit, leads him right into death and suffering, and his being there somehow brings life. She stopped, noticing how many eyes were on her. That's, that's what resurrection means to me, she finished. And that's how I'm feeling, invited to respond, to, to open my eyes and, and look for those dead and hurting places and to remember not to be afraid. That somehow going through them, you find new life. Yeah, I hear you, someone called back, the spark catching. And I can see how that could work out in, in like a hospital room or something, but it also makes me think of things like, uh, like systemic racism. Now that's a place in our world, consciousness, society, whatever, that we're hearing a lot about that is hurting bad. And there's a lot of death at work. There's a lot of folks who have forgotten how to love. They've forgotten that they are loved. And this story, it wakes up the spirit in me. It, it makes me want to do the hard work of marching into that place. He looked at the man who was sitting next to Evan. It makes me want to get into it with my whole body, with my hands and my feet, not just thoughts and prayers. You talk about the brothers and sisters on slave ships and plantations, and to me, their resurrection looks like, the liber looks like liberation for their children right here and right now. Now, that's a kind of resurrection I could get behind. Y'all, I'm glad you're having these deep thoughts and all, another voice said. But I just have more questions. Like, I wonder how this whole thing was for Tabitha. 
I wonder if she was afraid of death anymore, if this like changed the way she lived. Me too, exclaimed somebody else. Did the people going to get Peter expect that he was going to do a miracle? I mean, what did they want? Did Peter know what he was doing? And the responses and the questions, they went on and on, exploring implications and directions that Evan never would have allowed herself to explore on her own. She still carried a lot of grief, but she didn't feel the need to rush through the suffering because she had community and she had hope. And this somehow made it manageable. Her thoughts were interrupted again by the voice of the keeper who stood at the edge of the chancel once more to close the gathering with holy words. Yes, she said, with a yes broad enough to embrace everything and everyone. Yes, she said. Now go and do likewise.